This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. He was going the right way. Cohen, all the way. Touchdown, Chicago. Levine, he goes right. Oh, stop it, Samson. Did you not get the memo? He didn't come for the massage. He came for the facial. Oh, my goodness. Chicago's Game Day. Garcia's home. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Uh, good morning. Fred Hubner with you. If you're just jumping on the radio, where you been? Black and Abdallah killing it from 8 until 10 right here on ESPN 1000 every Sunday. Guys, we're talking NBA, talking Cubs baseball, White Sox baseball. Fred Hubner with you now for the next two hours. And just so you know, there's boxing in the sports news. There's tennis in the sports news. There's golf in the memorial in sports news. We're not talking about any of that. Okay, for the next two hours, we will not talk about any of that stuff. So I'm just letting you know ahead of time, if you're excited to talk about the boxing and the tennis and the golf, we're not going to talk about that for the next two hours. But if you're excited about baseball, we're going to talk a lot about that over the next two hours. Jesse Rogers will join us around 11 o'clock. We're going to talk some Cubs and some White Sox. The Tim Kirchin cut that Black and Abdallah play, we're going to get into that a little bit, too, with the home runs. If you watch the Cubs enough, you're a Cub fan. And I've said it for the last two weeks, sounding stupid, but it's home run or nothing for the Cubs. And I guess in now in baseball nowadays, home run or nothing's fine, as long as you hit enough of them to keep winning games. Cubs hit a couple of them yesterday, but were unable to win. After the longest rain delay, and I don't know if anybody's announced it or done the homework, this has to be the longest rain delay of a regular season game that they've had. Um... Maybe we can find that. Three hours and 36 minutes. I was laying in bed watching the end of the game, and I've got one of those clocks that project the time up onto the ceiling. And when the last out was made, I turned the TV off and looked at the ceiling, and it said 12.56. 12.56. Now, there weren't a lot of people there. There were some people with Bruins jerseys on. I wonder if they already saw the Bruins beat the Blues, and then they came on over, and they probably let them in for free. Come on in. Watch some baseball. And uh, that's what happened last night in St. Louis. So we'll talk about the Cubs and the Cardinals. They wrap up their series today. Cubs are looking to salvage a game. And I know Black mentioned it. Abdallah mentioned it a couple times. But after winning series after series after series after series after series, the Cubs lost a series to the Reds. Then they went on the road and lost a series to Houston. Today, the Cubs are trying to salvage a game against the St. Louis Cardinals. This was the... This was the time to put the Cardinals out of your thoughts for a while, okay? This was the time to say, you know what, Cardinals, we're going to take three games in a row. We're going to knock you out, and we're not going to have to worry about you for a while. That's not the case right now, because the Cubs have to worry about everybody in the division right now. You look at the National League Central. Milwaukee has regained the top spot. They have a half-game lead over the Cubs. The Cardinals are three behind Milwaukee. Pittsburgh is four back, and Cincinnati is five and a half games back. Um, 
As I mentioned, the Cubs wrap up their series today. It'll be just about 12 hours after the last out last night. Cole Hamill's going against Adam Wainwright. And for all you gamblers out there, from what I understand, uh, the Cardinals are a favored uh, minus 110. Okay? We may throw a little gambling in there because it seems like sports gambling is about ready to be legal in this great state of Illinois. And that doesn't get said a lot, the great state of Illinois. But uh, recreational marijuana one day, sports gambling the next day. Woo! Let's go. Pretty soon, open open beverages on the street. You know, there'll be everything. You just, you name it. We'll have all the vices labeled. You know, we'll be killing it. Marijuana, gambling, open liquor on the streets. I don't know. Just, you know, make sure you make sure you have good locks on your front doors and everything should be fine. Um, what's the name? What's the name of Felix? What's the name of that movie? Uh, there's like been three of them now where there's one day a year where they can do whatever they want to. Um, the oh. Purge? Yes, The Purge. Yes. That'll be next. Next, you know, oh, The Purge. We're going to. We're gonna take care of half the people out there. Okay? That's a bit scary. This is as close. <laughs> this is as close as I'll ever get to talking about st- politics and stuff like that. But um, and actually, if you ever get a chance, catch one of Bill uh, Bill Burr's comedy specials. He talks numerous times about how like eighty five percent of the people in the world we just need to get rid of them and move on. Uh, that's not necessarily my opinion, but we can go from there later. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Talking some baseball, Cubs and White Sox. White Sox had their five game winning streak snapped yesterday. Couldn't get many runs. This after a ten run game the day before. Uh, the Aloya Menez has it. Did get a couple of hits, but yesterday, right here on these airwaves with Murph and Fred, nine to noon on Saturdays. Scott Merkin from WhiteSox.com said. You know, I asked Scott, I said, listen, is Aloy Jimenez ever going to hit a home run at guaranteed rate field? Because right now, Aloy Jimenez has six home runs, all of them on the road, three in Houston, all on the road. And Scott Merkin said, Fred, I'll tell you that he's going to hit one in the next two days. Well, he had two hits yesterday, a single and a double, no home run. So we'll see if he hits one today. White Sox will go against Zach Plesak. Yeah, name sounds familiar. It's actually Dan Plesak's nephew. He had his major league debut against the Red Sox the other day, allowed a run in five and a third. He makes his second career start today. And he goes against Lucas Giolito. Lucas Giolito has become must-view pitching. Giolito, 7-1 and one this year with a 285 ERA. He's 5-0 and oh in May with a 174 ERA in two complete games with an asterisk because one of those complete games, a five-inning game, that was uh, shortened by rain. Last two games, a complete game, four-hitter against Houston, and an eight-inning game against Kansas City with ten strikeouts. So let's see what Lucas Giolito can do, get the White Sox back in the winning track. And then the White Sox have a day off, play Washington for two days, then have another day off before they continue. So they've got some time coming off where the Cubs don't. The Cubs, after today, come home, play an afternoon game against the Angels, a makeup game from a postponement earlier this season, before the Cubs continue their homestand. So let's talk some Cubs and White Sox baseball. You want to jump on in, 312-332-3776. I mentioned, and I tweeted it out last night, and Cub fans, you know, baseball fans might get mad at me because that's the way it is. But right now... It is home run or nothing for the Northsiders. Rizzo red hot at the plate. 12-game hitting streak. 5-9 for nine with a home run against Flaherty. The big right-hander coming back. 
And that ball hit a ton out into center. Bader back on it, and it is gone. Number 16 for Anthony Rizzo. Len Casper, courtesy of Fox. The game was on Fox. It was Len and A.J. Perzinski. I don't know what they did for three and a half hours. Maybe watch the hockey game uh, as they had the rain delay. But they came back on uh, Fox 32 last night at around 11.15, 11.20. Did the rest of the game, which ended at 12.56. So it was one nothing Cubs. Goldschmidt hits a home run off. Jose Quintana makes it 1-1. But, uh, the uh, you know, the Cubs grabbed the lead right back. Matt Carpenter game-ending single. And Hayward drives one to right. Three half innings, three home runs. Rizzo, Goldschmidt, Hayward. And three no-doubters. An absolute bomb here by Jason Hayward. Yeah, Jason Hayward uh, going back to where he played one season in St. Louis, and he belts a home run. Uh, the game was tied at two when the rains came, and they waited for the three hours and 36 minutes. When they came back, it was a three-run inning for St. Louis. They took a 5-2 lead. Cubs got a couple of runs back, made it 5-4. to four. Then a uh, couple of home runs late in the contest. Ryan gives up back-to-back home runs last night to Dexter Fowler and Harrison Bader. And a game ends final score of 7-4. to four. The Cubs now 31-25, and 25, as I said, trying to salvage the final game of this series against the Cardinals today. Hamels against Wainwright. Anthony Rizzo, 2-3, for three, extends his hitting streak uh, to 13 games. Quintana did not pitch poorly. Um... The last couple of games, it seems like Joe Madden has not been happy with the strike zone. And Joe, I don't blame you. You're sitting there watching, and all the announcers say the same thing. When the managers are watching, they can tell up and down in the strike zone. They can't tell side to side because it's impossible for them to get an angle. And AJ, it was great having A.J. Persinski, I thought, do the game last night. Because I've been talking about this a little bit, and people have mentioned it. Jose, um, Wilson Contreras, excuse me, Jose Contreras, I'm going back to 2005. Wilson Contreras has a tendency to set up outside of the strike zone. There were a couple of pitches last night where Contreras puts his glove up. It's outside of the strike zone, and Quintana hits it, thinking it's a strike. It gets called a ball. It happened a couple times yesterday, and Perzinski couldn't quite understand a couple times why Contreras was doing this, but he did it several times. He's done that over the years since he's been catching. Don't know why. Uh, you know, maybe one day we can get the Cubs catching coach. I think Mike Borzello is the guy that works with the Cubs catchers, um, and explain why exactly it might be that Contreras does this quite often because when your managers are in the dugout and sometimes the pitcher, pitcher goes, well, if I hit my spot, it's going to be a strike. Well, they didn't get the call yesterday. The night before, they didn't get some calls in a game that came down to some important decisions on strikes. So, Sylvie, I know somewhere Sylvie, no matter where Sylvie is, he's hearing me mention the computerized strike zone. And it's got to take place. There's so many things that baseball needs to do, but Getting the computerized strike zone, getting the balls and strikes called by someone other than a person uh, needs to be done quickly because then there'll be no complaining. Hits the hits the line, hits the strike zone, it's a strike. If it doesn't, it's a ball. There have been strikes that weren't even touching the K zone. They were inside the box called balls in the last couple of days. And those can hurt not only can they hurt, but like Dylan Maples two nights ago walks back-to-back guys. 
And he, you know, several, both of those walks, there were strikes that were called balls. And it's got to be fixed. And again, I mentioned, I know Cap will be here tomorrow after uh, attending Jordan Cornette's wedding yesterday. Um, Cap is a big guy for human error in the game of baseball. Now, we're trying to get rid of human error in football with officials and instant replay. We're trying to get rid of human error uh, in the NBA. They can you know, go to the video, the final two minutes and things like that. Just so next time you hear somebody mention, well, you know, human error is part of the game. Just remember, just tell them, and I've told Cap before, and I'll tell him again if I'm ever with him and he says it. Human error is for the players. And like base running mistakes, which we'll get to because the White Sox make them on a daily basis. Um, that's human error by a player. And that's that happens in sports. But when you're watching a game, you do not want human error by an, uh, an arbiter, an umpire, an official, a referee to change the outcome of a game. And I know the home plate umpire might call 260, 280, 300 pitches a game. But those pitches he misses mess with the pitcher, the manager, decisions that are made. And then in the long term, they can at times mess with a player's career. The player, you know, gets conf- like Dylan Maples. If Dylan Maples doesn't have his head together, he walks two guys one night. Now he gets to sit around and think about it. The Cubs lost a game. He'll blame himself. All of a sudden, it's wearing on him. Now, if you make your own mistake, that's fine. But if you're if you throw do what you're supposed to do, and a re- an umpire makes the wrong call, that's not the way it's supposed to be. So human error is for the players, not for the arbiters, not for the umps, the officials, the referees. Hopefully we can get this turned around. Now, there are a couple things. The Cubs actually got something yesterday they hadn't had in several games. They got a hit with a runner in scoring position. They were 0 for 23 in the last several games with runners in scoring position. Yesterday they had runners at first and second. Daniel Descalso pushes a bunt past the pitcher. And it goes for a hit. There were runners in first and second. Guy at second base, runner in scoring position. The base is now loaded, so that counted as a hit with a runner in scoring position. They didn't score the runner from scoring position, um, but that counted as a hit with a runner in scoring position. So right now, they're one for their last 27. They were one for four yesterday. But the Cubs have a tendency to win games when they're hitting homers. And that's the statement I've said a couple times, which makes me sound more stupid than people think I am especially in today's baseball, because it is the three-outcome game. Abdallah talked about it earlier today, the walk, the strikeout, and the home run. It's all about those three outcomes. And when the Cubs are hitting home runs, the Cubs are winning games. The Cubs are, like I think, second in the National League in home runs. They're way up there. They've been hitting the ball a long way. You saw number 16 from Rizzo last night. You saw Hayward hit one. Um, when they're hitting homers and winning games. That sounds pretty easy, isn't it? Uh, there was the uh, Twins hit eight homers about a week or so ago in a game, and they won their contest. Padres hit seven homers uh, a week ago yesterday, and they won their game. So it sounds simple. But you've got to be able to score runs other ways because you're not always going to be hitting home runs. For a stretch there, the Cubs were. 
but they need to put their bat on the ball. They need to move the ball around, and they're not doing that right now. And they've got to get back to it. So many people, Murph and I have done this for like six weeks in a row. Uh, We didn't talk about the poll yesterday. I don't think he put it in. But we've been asking Cubs fans what is the most important part of the game for the Cubs going forward. Is it their hitting or their pitching? And every week we do it, it's like 60 to 70% people say they're pitching. And the other day when the Cubs lost their contest, people, you know, David DeJesus talking immediately, Cubs need a closer. That's not why they lost the game. They didn't lose the game because they didn't have a closer. The game was tied. You were not going to have your closer in at that time anyway. Sure, the bullpen gives up a couple of runs, but the offense needs to perform and needs to perform well. For the most part, the Cubs starting staff has been doing relatively well. Um, Darvish the other day, not that bad, not awful. Okay, I've got the numbers here on one of my sheets from working uh, a couple days in a row. Darvish, one run, three hits, six innings. He threw 93 pitches, a little more than he would have liked to have had. The night before for the Cubs, um, oh, I don't have that one. But they've been pitching well. Hendricks has been amazing. Okay, you got Cole Hamels going today. He struggled a little bit. The pitching's very strong. They just need to get a little bit, a few more runs for their guys, and they're not doing that right now unless they hit home runs. The leadoff guy, I think it was Jesse that tweeted this, and we'll talk with Jesse in a little um, 11 o'clock. Kyle Schwarber now 4 for 38 with a 105 average with men in scoring position this year with nine walks. Now, he's getting on base a little bit as your leadoff guy. His on-base percentage isn't bad, but once they're men on base, he's not doing anything. And strikeouts... Yeah, part of that three outcome, the home run, the walk, and the strikeout. Cubs struck out 14 times against Cardinals pitching. It's the sixth time in the last nine games that they've had 10-plus strikeouts and 102 total in that span. That's 11.3 strikeouts per game. So somewhere along the line, you know Joe, this is eating away at Joe Madden because not having Ben Zobrist there. Ben Zobrist was the guy, and Rizzo's another one of them, and Rizzo's doing a great job with the 13-game hitting streak. He puts his bat on the ball and moves the ball around, hits the ball to the left center, hits the ball to the right center, hits the ball in the stands. Ben Zobrist was doing the same thing. The Cubs really miss a guy like Ben Zobrist because he was the guy that could get the big hit here, the big hit there, play several positions, and they don't have him right now. Now, maybe not having Ben Zobrist, if he decides to hang it up and retire, can turn into Craig Kimbrell. Talked to Jesse yesterday. He said that the Cubs are involved and have talked to every reliever out there um, that's a free agent or teams that may or may not want to move a player when it comes to the trade deadline. Uh, there were a lot of teams were waiting till after, uh, I want to say it was tonight, actually, midnight tonight. Um, they can make a deal, and it doesn't have to be with trade compensation. So the draft is not trade compensation, draft compensation. The draft is Monday night, and the White Sox have the third pick. I want to say the Cubs have like the 27th pick in the first round. And um, so you'll see maybe in the next week, Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel go somewhere. And I know Cub fans say, we, you know, we need a closer. We need to see him come, you know, Craig Kimbrell come here 
and you'll have nine more million dollars if, in fact, Ben Zobris decides to hang it up and call it a career. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. I got to the home run or nothing. I got to the runners in scoring position. One other thing, and I know Bro Connor mentioned it at the end of the show in his White Sox minute, his White Sox report. But Javier Baez went to Joe Madden yesterday and asked out of the lineup because of his heel issue. Now, when Javi Baez is playing well, when Javi Baez is hitting, the Cubs are winning because Javi's hitting shots to right center, Javi's hitting home runs. Good things are happening for the Cubs when that happens. The last 12 games, Javi Baez is 7 for 42. That comes out to a 167 average. Javi is struggling big time. He had a game with five strikeouts uh, a week or so ago and then followed up with three more strikeouts the next day. Javi needs to step it up offensively. He's got to get that heel better. We'll see if he can go today in the final game of that series against the Cardinals. But without Javi Baez, you throw a Daniel Descalso in there, who early in the year was doing well. Not so much anymore. Ian Happ has let you down. Um, You know, Ben Zobrist isn't there. So, you know, bring up a guy like Jim Aducci. So we'll see if Carlos Gonzalez is with the Cubs. He played a minor league game. Felix, could you check and see what Cargo did last night? He played for the Iowa Cubs. I think it was bad. I'm not sure where he was in the order. I think he played Round Rock or something like that. Uh, but see what, uh, what Cargo's doing. Getting a few minor league at-bats maybe before coming up and joining the Cubs as another left-handed bat. 312-332-3776. White Sox talk. You know, I'm standing here with my White Sox, my black White Sox polyester shirt on, which is a bad choice. I feel right now like Ron Burgundy. Black polyester was a bad choice because standing here in the window at uh, Staten Lake, In the first Midwest Bank studio, the sun is beating through the windows right onto me. And if you've ever seen me before, I am lily white and um, sweating a tad right now. Uh, But we got to talk some White Sox baseball. Ivan Nova yesterday didn't pitch poorly. Seven innings, four runs, six hits, three earned, a walk, three strikeouts. He did give up a couple homers, and that was tough. Gave up a homer to Santana. Gave up a two-run shot, I want to say, to Leonis Martin. That should never happen. You should you should never fall behind giving up a home run to Leonis Martin. But, again, it's home runs or nothing right now in Major League Baseball. So the White Sox lose 5-2. to two. Their five-game winning streak is snapped. Right now, the White Sox, uh, game behind Cleveland, Sox are 28-30. and 30. You want to get to that 500 mark. The White Sox, are, they've been flirting with it a couple times. And usually they'll get to two games away or one game under, and then they'll lose a few games. So you want to put an end to that right now. You Before your off day tomorrow, and then you go to D.C. and play the Nationals, who are definitely a beatable team on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. You want to get a win today, and uh, it's, you've got Lucas Giolito going out to the hill, so that's a good thing. A couple of things that I saw, and it, base running is a thing that, Young players, I don't know, you, you kind of think that hitters come to the big leagues because they can hit. Players come because they can hit. When was the last time you saw, we're going to bring this guy up because he's one heck of a fielder. Okay? You don't usually see that. Oh, by the way, uh, Cargo yesterday, 0 for 4 with a strikeout. He'll fit right in. 
Uh, 0-4 with a strikeout for Carlos Gonzalez. See what he does today and see if the Cubs are going to bring him up. Um, it's not it's not costing much. They have more than enough money to bring a guy like Cargo in and uh, see if he can help this team. But anyway, uh, base running mistakes. The White Sox have made them. We'll hear from Ricky Renteria after the bottom of the hour on a really bad base running mistake yesterday uh, from Yolmer Sanchez and Charlie Tilson. It was bad enough that one guy screwed up, but two guys messed up on the bases. And Ricky Renteria tries to explain it. What Rick, I'd love to hear Ricky Renteria try to explain is the other day, Yoan Moncada is having a, a good year for him. Okay, He's playing tremendous ball at third base. But there's a pop-up behind the third baseman's head. Third baseman's going for it. Left fielder's going for it. Yohan Moncada's watching it. It drops. He's standing at first base. We'll talk White Sox, base running, Cubs, 312-332-3776. Fred Eubner with you here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day. Only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. I'm easy like Sunday morning. Fred Hubner with you till 12 noon, 312-332-3776. You can uh, tweet me at Fred underscore Hubner. Uh, you're either listening on ESPN 1000 or the ESPN app. You can get that everywhere. And uh, tremendous app. And also, for those people who have been, if you're a soccer fan, we're going to talk a little Chicago Fire soccer before we're out of here at about 1145. Um, ESPN Plus is unbelievable. And I know four ninety nine a month. Yeah, okay. Um, there are times I come here on a Sunday and I buy the paper. That's two bucks. Then if I stop at like Dunkin' Donuts and get uh, you know su- uh, two sausage wake up wraps, that's three seventy seven. That's already five seventy seven. That's more than ESPN Plus would cost me for the whole month. Um, and if you get it for the year, it's like forty nine ninety nine. Okay. So, if you're a soccer fan, it's great stuff. They've got a baseball game each and every day. They've got they had hockey games throughout the course of the season. They had the Kobe Bryant details thing if you're a basketball fan. Um, all kinds of great stuff on ESPN+. Plus. So um, the Fire were not on that yesterday. They were on Unimas. Uh, but we'll play some of the um, English-speaking highlights from Unimas uh, a little bit later on. 312-332-3776. And before we go any further about White Sox base running, um, Felix looked up the... Uh, the delay, rain delays, and uh, I thought three hours and 36 minutes was a long time, Felix, but I guess I was wrong. Yeah, and as of now, I've, I've looked up as far as up to 2016, but they're saying the longest one, and I doubt anything has broke that yet, the longest one was actually with the White Sox. It was at seven hours and 23 minutes. Jeez. It was, in, uh, it was on August 12th, 1990. It was the Rangers and the White Sox, and uh, they said they waited long before finally postponing a Sunday afternoon game without a pitch being thrown. Roughly 500 fans remained in the stands when the game was finally called off at 8.58 p.m. White Sox owner Jerry Reinsdorf said the weatherman kept saying it stopped. That well, yeah, but and it never did. Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah, it sure is. And the, kudos to those 500 fans too, right? Around. Some hardcore White Sox yeah. fans there. Hopefully they all took the, you know, if they were drinking, they all took the subway or something because uh, that's a long time to just be sitting around waiting for baseball to happen. And how about you? That was the Sox. What was the Cubs longest? And then they're saying as of right now, too, the second longest was actually by the Cubs, August 19, 
2014. I uh, believe it was a rain delay that went from Tuesday and it bleed, uh, bled over to Thursday's delay uh, when they tried postponing when they tried doing the game all over again. Okay. So as of now, the the two streaks or the two records that are being held are by both Chicago teams. That's amazing. That's that's pretty unbelievable. And. Uh, you know, I thought three hours and 36 minutes was a long time. That's how long the Cubs waited yesterday. But, uh, yeah, that's not even close. It's like half the time of the other two. Thanks, Felix. Um, so the White Sox yesterday, there was a situation on the basis where um, they'd scored a run. They had runners on. Sanchez was at second. And Tilson was at first. And they both got a little over-anxious and uh, both got thrown out on the bases. And... Uh, that was not a good thing. Didn't work out well for the White Sox. And Ricky Renteria, the White Sox skipper, tried to explain what was going on. Now, he'll say Tilly. He means Charles Charlie Tilson. And I think he says Chez um, or Sanchez. He's talking about Yolmer Sanchez, in case you, you're not sure who he's talking about. They love using nicknames, these managers. So here's Ricky Renteria on the White Sox base running blunder yesterday. Well, I think what happened was, if I remember the way it developed... Uh, they took him toward third base. They gave up the ball. He was really close to the to the third baseman, which didn't give Tilly a a, a good read. Um, in order to advance, um, he's got to kind of have a feel for when he's when Sanchi's going to have the longest run, so he can go ahead and go over. And even if they run Sanchi back to second base, they might get an out, but we still have one guy on second as opposed to that that play in up and then two two outs. Good, good, uh, good observation. Herrera not backing up home plate allowed that runner to to advance. Um, is your question? Should he have been backing up? Well, I mean, when is that something we want to talk to him afterwards? Does he know that? Uh, how do you handle uh, he that? He knows that. We'll talk to him about it. Uh, it's yeah, it's one of those things where he he knows better than to be standing in the middle of the diamond when the, when the throw's coming in and play developing at the plate. Uh, the play for the pitcher in that particular situation is to be backing up the the play. Absolutely. That was Ricky Renteria trying to explain some of the mistakes and the miscues the White Sox had. Herrera, Kevin Herrera, uh, late in the game, not backing up a play. And then you had the base running gaff. Now, uh, Ricky, people that have listened to the station and to me and wherever I've been over the years know that I'm not a fan. I don't think managers mean a whole heck of a lot when it comes to baseball. It's, uh, you know, see the ball, hit the ball. Go to the plate. You know, I understand culture. I understand keeping the players um, ready to go and things like that. The only thing, in my opinion, managers really are important for is pitching moves. Earlier this week, Ricky Renteria, after Ronaldo Lopez has gone through five innings with a lead, he sent him back out there for the sixth inning. And he was already at 100 pitches, and I didn't quite understand why he would send him back out there. he gotten through five innings. He threw a lot of pitches. Get him out. Bring in the bullpen. I know uh, some of the bullpens in baseball are uh, difficult. Uh, you don't want to go to them as much, but I didn't understand leaving a young guy out there for 116, 118 pitches, uh, especially a guy like Lopez. You want to give him a good feeling. Uh, he did give up a couple more runs. The game got tied. Um but it was rough for the White Sox. I think they ended up winning uh, the contest. But I didn't quite understand it. That's what the managers, that's when you can blame managers. When there's a base running mistake and when a guy doesn't back up a position, that's all on the players. How many? I hear so many times I hear coaches, I mean, I hear 
players blame coaches, and I hear players blame managers. I the same with hitting coaches. What's that hitting coach doing? Is he not getting these guys ready? Well, if he's not, if they don't go to the the plate with a plan and try to execute that plan, then it's the hitting coach's fault. Okay, but when there's base running mistakes, the players know what to do. They've been playing this game since they were kids. And now they're making money playing this game. Coaches and managers can rack their brains explaining something to a player. But when it happens, the player's the one that has to execute it. And if the player doesn't execute it, I'm not blaming a coach. I'm not blaming a manager for that. And it's in all sports. I see the same thing watching soccer when I'm watching the Chicago Fire play. And it happens a lot. I, I hear Ricky Renteria, terrible manager. Well, when he makes a bad move or leaves a guy in too long, yeah, that's a bad move by a manager. But other than that, base running mistakes, I'm not blaming a manager. I'm not blaming a manager for a guy not backing up. They know where to go. We're watching the game on our couches. We know where a guy's supposed to back somebody up. Don't you, Do you not think that the, the player that's playing doesn't know what's going on? Blame the players sometimes. People get on me sometimes because I'll blame a player. I'll blame a Yohan Moncada for not hustling out of the box. Or I'll blame a Tim Anderson for throwing the ball in the dirt when he's got time. Tim Anderson's been playing very, very well defensively this year. But most of his errors have been because he's had time to throw and he throws the ball in the dirt. That's on Tim Anderson. It's not on the infield coach. It's not on the first baseman. It's on Tim Anderson. And I know it's a game where everybody makes mistakes. You know, there, you know, if nobody made mistakes, if pitchers hit their spots and if fielders caught the ball, you know, uh, you would never have run scored in games. Uh, same thing with football. If a defense did their job, you know, they would always stop the opposition. So anyway, all sports are basically made up of mistakes. Hockey, soccer, all of them, you name them, there are mistakes, and that's what leads to games and runs being scored and things like that. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. I want to make sure I got this in so we can talk about it a little bit more. Uh, when I mentioned the Cubs, home run or nothing, and I haven't had a lot of people disagree with me on that. Uh, I think you know watching the Cubs that when they're hitting home runs, they're winning games. They hit two yesterday, didn't hit enough. They had guys on base. They were only one for four with runners in scoring position. But Tim Kirchin, who's... who's uh, been following baseball for a long, long time. Uh, he was on SportsCenter, and he talked about the home run record. Now, when I say the home run record, there were 1,100. It, it sounds better if I say 1,120 home runs hit in the month of May. That's more than any month in Major League Baseball history. And uh, they talked to Tim Kirchner on SportsCenter about this home run record. And one of the reasons that it may be happening, why it's happening, and if he thinks it'll continue to happen. Well, I'm certainly not surprised, and I wouldn't be surprised if the record that was just set is broken as the season goes along. The hitters today, Matt, are bigger and stronger than ever. They have more information than ever. And if you make a mistake in the one perfect bat path that they have, and it doesn't matter if you're Chris Sale or Max Scherzer, they're going to take it, and they're not just going to hit a line drive to left field. They're going to hit it. 20 rows up because, of course, they're trying to hit home runs. This is all about launch angle these days. But with all those homers comes a record number of strikeouts Mm -hmm. every year. I think we have too many homers. I know we have too many strikeouts, and I don't see an end in sight to either one of them. That was Tim Kirchin earlier. Um, 
let me write this, this down because he said something which is exactly correct. And he said a lot of stuff that was correct. It was a very good piece, and he doesn't think this is going to change. But he was talking about pitchers, and he said, if you make a mistake in the one perfect bat path, guys like Joey Gallo, they're swinging their bat pretty much the same place every time. And if you make the mistake and the ball crosses that path, it's going a long way. And there are a lot of guys like that. They don't make adjustments. You know where they're swinging. If you make a mistake, now Chris Bryant is an example of a guy that you can't make a mistake anywhere to Chris Bryant because Chris Bryant is going to hit any mistake you make. Um, they did a pretty good job, I thought, last night against Chris Bryant, um, throwing Bryant high and away at times. Uh, they threw him some balls in the dirt that he went after a couple times. But if you make that mistake, if you try to go into Chris Bryant, and if you go inside part of the plate between the knees, a little bit above the knees, he's hitting it out of the park. He is just launching it. But Chris Bryant is a guy that has shown you what he can do when he couldn't hit the home run, when his shoulder was bothering him or whatever this year, he would just take the ball and put it in play, hit it over the infielder, the infielder's had to get on base. He would do that, and it would work out well. Your thoughts on home runs. And if you're a baseball fan, do you enjoy seeing all the home runs that are being hit? Or is this really frustrating you, seeing the strikeouts, the walks, and the home runs? And I'm not talking about length of games. I'm just talking about you, the true baseball fan. Callers, hang in there. We'll get to you. We come back. 312-332-3776. Fred Hubner with you. Jesse joins me next hour. Also, we'll have highlights from around Major League Baseball, a little bit of Chicago Fire soccer talk before we're out of here. Lots to do. Fred Hubner with you till noon on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Jesse Rogers will join us top of the hour. See if Jesse got any sleep. He likes to go out and celebrate a little bit after a game, or maybe, you know, not after a Cubs loss, but see what happens. Cubs have dropped two in a row in St. Louis, trying to salvage the final game of the series. Got lineups here in a minute. Let's go first to Michigan City and Mark. Mark, what's going on? Hey, Fred, how you doing today? I'm doing well. What's happening? Good. I... I... I do agree with your words about a manager's job is limited. The player's got to get out there and execute, and the manager has no control over it. Sparky Anderson said it best in 1987. He was interviewed towards the end of the game, and he said, you know, my job doesn't begin really to the sixth or seventh inning. The player's got to get me that lead. I, the only thing I can do is protect or build on a lead. He's, uh, and that was the day, Fred, when pitching staffs went from four to five men. He says, other than that, maybe during the year, when we're going to play straight for two weeks, I might have to get a fifth starter ready. You know, but other than that, the players got to execute. They got to get me in a position to protect the lead. That's my main job. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I, I think that the managers, you're right, maybe late in the game and may, not so much in the American League either. I mean, the American League, you can't do all the double switches and everything else. So if you're a manager in the American League, you know, your guys are all staying out there. You've got your best hitters out there. There may They may pinch hit if you change righty-lefty or something like that, but you're not doing double switches and, until you play in the National League ballparks. So they don't have a whole heck of a lot to do, um, but... Even when Joe Madden is making these double switches and changes and that, it all comes down to when he makes his pitching moves. 
And that's where a manager can be either good or bad. I know earlier in the week people were upset. I was one of them. I didn't. Th- I didn't know why Renteria would leave in uh, Ronaldo Lopez as long as he did. Um, I'd question him about that. I'm sure they may have asked him about it after the game. But I'm not blaming him for run- base running mistakes or defensive mistakes or a guy not backing up or you know a guy. I. I- I wouldn't even criticize him, Mark, when two guys don't call a ball and the ball drops because you know that they have coached them through that. But how many times, you know, do you see that? It happens, uh, Lurie Garcia and Eloy Jimenez happened. It happens a little bit with, the, with, with Chris Bryant and Jason Hayward. It happened. Do you think Joe was being blamed at all for the guys not calling it? No, it's two guys, one guy that doesn't play the outfield very often, uh, getting confused and going after a ball when he probably shouldn't have. All right, Fred. It's always uh, good speaking with you. You have rest of a good day, sir. Mark, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. 312-332-3776. Lineups are out. Let's go first to the south side. White Sox taking on at Cleveland once again. And Lucas Giolito on the hill. Moncada not playing today, or at least not in the starting lineup. Lurie got, and you know what? They have tomorrow off, so let's give Yohan two days off. He can use Sunday, and then he'll have Monday off, and then they won't play till Tuesday. I guess that's the whole thing now. And man, Do they call it load management in uh, baseball? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Lurie Garcia's in center field. Tim Anderson hitting second. It's short. Abreu is DHing. Then you have James McCann catching. Jimenez is uh, batting fifth. Rondon is playing third base. He is batting sixth. Uh, Yonder Alonso seventh. He really needs to pick it up a little bit. Hitting some hard balls, but uh, he needs to do a little better. Sanchez playing second base and hitting eighth. And Charlie Tilson in right field. He is hitting ninth. And for the Cubs, we've got a Cubs lineup also. That is out. Kyle Schwarber back in that leadoff spot. He is still there with Chris Bryant in right field today. So I can't. I guess they're not worried about Chris Bryant running around the outfield with Jason Hayward. So Chris Bryant's in right. Anthony Rizzo at first. Javi's back. Javi Baez is at a shortstop hitting fourth. This is the day after he pulled himself out of the lineup and begged out of the lineup. You have Jason Hayward in center field. Addison Russell at second. David Bodie is playing third base. Cole Hamels is on the mound, and he is pitching. So good news, Javi Baez is back. We'll see how the uh, heel is uh, reacting for him. Again, uh, the right heel issue, uh, last 12 games, just 7 for 42, 167 average, and a lot of strikeouts. So we'll see what he can do a little bit later on today. We have a lot of baseball to get to next hour. Quick look at the standings in the NL Central. First time in a long time, Cubs are not on top. After losing yesterday, the Brewers got a win. We'll talk more about that next hour. Brewers get a win. Um, they are now 33 and 26. They have a half game lead over the Cubs. Cubs 31 and 25. Cardinals are a game above 500 after back to back wins. 29 and 28. There are three games back in the Brewers. Pirates are 28 and 29, four back in the Reds, just five and a half back as uh, they lost yesterday. I think they lost. Yeah, they lost yesterday. So they are 27-31. and 31. The NL Central is a very, very interesting uh, division. It's going to be fun to watch all season long how this is going to play out because any little time somebody stumbles, there's going to be not one, not two, but like three or four teams ready to jump. And uh, we'll see that throughout the course of the year, see if anybody's able to open it up. Like in the American League Central, well, the Twins have opened it up. 
the Minnesota Twins with Rocco Baldelli as their manager, you could probably ask, I don't know, 100 baseball fans, who is the Minnesota Twins manager? Most would say probably Paul Molitor. It's not. Rocco Baldelli. And the Twins are 21 games over 500. The Indians are at 500. They are 10 and a half back. The White Sox are two games under. They're 11 and a half back. Then Detroit and Kansas City, 20 and a half games back. You look at the divisions top to bottom in baseball, and the Orioles are 20 and a half back. The Royals, 20 and a half back. These are the last place teams in the divisions. Mariners are 15 back. The Marlins are 12 back. The Giants are six back. The Reds are the bottom of the Central, and they're only five and a half games back. So it's going to be interesting to see how things go. The Cubs have a game tomorrow at home, a late afternoon game as they take on uh, Tommy LaStella coming back to town as the Angels and Mike Trout and company. They come to Wrigley Field tomorrow for a makeup game for a game that was postponed earlier this season. And uh, we'll see. The Cubs are trying to get a get a little momentum going as they now come home after this road trip. A six-game road trip. They were hoping for better, and unfortunately, they didn't get it. So it's a 3-0-5 start tomorrow. Uh, Cubs trying to uh, think about it. They lost two out of three to Houston. They've lost the first two in St. Louis. So they're one in four on this six-game road trip. They need to do better. And we know that. And I think a lot of it has to do with hitting. There are a lot of people out there that think it's bullpen. And uh, I definitely don't think it's their starting pitching. And today they need an outing. They need a good one from Cole Hamels today going against Adam Wainwright. We come back. Jesse Rogers, see if he's awake yet. After the lengthy rain delay and the game that didn't end till 12.56 last night. Cubs wrap up the series today. We'll talk to Jesse. Your phone calls 312-332-3776 here on ESPN 1000. Talking baseball with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Makata drills this ball right field. The only question is which deck. It's a two-run homer. A comet on a progressive field. Swinging at a fly ball to right and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here! Gone for Yelich! You can't do that that easy. How about that guy, folks? We're talking baseball. In the air to right center field. How about this for a homecoming? That is crushed into the second deck for Bryce Harper. And he gives those Phillies fans a chance to jump up and down one more time. This ball is K-I-L-T killed. My goodness. A chance to walk it off against Neil Ramirez here in the ninth. And when he hits a hard, then it goes far. Talking Baseball with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Uh, welcome on in. Final hour for me today. Don't forget we got the NBA uh, Finals tonight. Game two. Finally. I'll rant on that a little bit maybe if I get a chance before I'm out of here. What the hell's going on? You play a game and then 
let everybody forget about the series for a couple days. But uh, nobody's forgetting about Jesse Rogers or the Cubs. Maybe during that three and a half or three hour and 36 minute rain delay you might have as we go to St. Louis and bring in Jess. Jess, I know I saw Paul Sullivan was tweeting he was going to take questions for you, but he said you weren't interested in any questions from anybody yesterday. Napping at the time. I mean, once you get into hour number three, it's 11 uh, something at night. You're, you're allowed to close your eyes. So I, I couldn't take questions. I was sleeping. Did they have the hockey game on the Jumbotron the whole time? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they did. They okay. did. And I was listening to the Boston radio feed. Our good pal Judd Surratt calling that yep. game yep. was great. Uh, Boston two wins away from a cup. So it was fun to watch the Cardinal fans kind of, uh, you know, not not happy because of the rain and not happy because the Blues were getting killed. <laughs> when when the game ended, they showed a couple. When when the hockey game was over and the baseball game resumed, they showed some uh, fans in the stands that had Bruins jerseys on. You think they just opened the doors and said, come on in? Because, uh, you know, I saw several people with Bruins jerseys, and I wouldn't think that they, w- they went there just to see the Cardinal game. I don't know the answer to that. I doubt it. I mean, when does, it, when does anybody just open the doors and say, come in, right? Yeah. Well, um, so... So they could have been watching it at a bar and then came into the game, you know, with tickets, obviously, or they could get tickets. I I don't know exactly. Maybe they live here. They didn't travel from Boston, right? Yeah. Um, You know what I mean? That could be. They were showing their their, their Bruin pride there, but coming to the game. Yeah, or they couldn't get tickets. Yeah. Yeah. I I doubt they open the doors for free. It just doesn't sound like something a team would do. No. Uh, Yesterday started off so well. I mean, you know, we talk and, you know, I've been saying it a couple times, you know, home run or nothing. You got Rizzo going deep. You got Hayward going deep. And it looked like it was going to be the start of a game where the Cubs hit three, four, five homers and and win a game. And that that kind of stopped. And then, uh, you know, the rain kind of slowed a lot of stuff down. And when you finally get a hit with runners in scoring position and it's a Daniel Descalso bunt (laughs) past the pitcher, that's it was funny because A.J. pointed it out. He goes, yeah, but at least they got a hit with a runner in scoring position. And uh, so, you know, they didn't have a lot of runners in scoring position yesterday. And that's ultimately one of the biggest problems this team has right now. Yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, they're in stuck in this little rut where it's just home run or nothing. Now they've they've had these moments before in their past. It's part of their DNA. But uh, they were trying to get back to sort of the sixteen vibe of handing that baton to the next guy. I think for a while there it was working. I mean, I said it, and any true, you know, baseball aficionado would have would have said they're not going to continue at twenty three and seven pace. They were due for right. for a regression. So where did that regression come? A little bit in the starting staff and definitely in that lineup. Um, they did get the bases loaded, nobody out, top of the order up. And yeah. Kyle Schwarber strikes out. Chris Bryant, a hard hit ball deflected by the pitcher, force out, and then and then Rizzo makes an out as well. So they had their chances um, in that in that inning to come back down five to two, and uh, they they weren't able to get the, the tying run across. So they're just they're in that rut. You know, they just got to get over the hump here. This will be their third series in a row they've lost. Um, could get swept here. I would imagine it's going to turn from them as they go back home, but they've got to do it. You can't just say it. you got to do it, and right now they're not doing it. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. It wasn't a bad outing for Quintana, really. I mean, I didn't think he pitched all that bad, and it would have been nice to see him go a little bit deeper. I'm sure Joe would have been happy, too, because you don't want to use up the bullpen, especially when you don't have a day off coming up for a while. Nothing you can do about it. Once yeah. the rains came, he was done. Both starting pitchers were okay. It was 2-2 two to two in the fifth tight game you'd expect them to go an inning or two longer uh now chat excuse me chatwood's been used up and you're right no day off tomorrow because of the makeup game um so now they're a little short uh with these tight tight low scoring games you tend to go to your bullpen more 
Um, Kyle Ryan has come back down to earth. They really have a problem from the left side. They've had one every single year that I've covered the team. They have uh, named besides two months of Araldis Chapman. Yeah. Name the last great lefty reliever. I don't. I'm not even talking about ninth inning guy. Sure. You know, Brian Dunsing had one moment in time where he was pretty good. You know, guys have moments. Yeah, Wilson. Course. Wilson was yeah, okay at the second well, half yeah, of the season. Exactly. Kyle Ryan at the beginning of this year for a moment. They haven't had any sort of consistency there. Maybe it's hard to find. I don't know. Uh, but they're they're struggling from the left side. You think about again some of the lefties in the in this division from, um, you know. Whether it be Josh Bell, you don't want you don't want him batting lefty, and Joey Votto, you don't want him up, and you don't want um, you know every every team Freddie Freeman, every team has one in the league in in the division yep. that you want you want to bring in your top notch lefty lockdown lefty guy in, and the Cubs don't have that. They don't have that, and and it's something I don't think fans talk about. Just to go off on a tangent, I don't think they realize it. They just think of teams, but lefty. Pitchers and hitters are vital to contending teams. They're vital. There's, they're, they're so you can't be too right-handed. That that's a problem. You have to infuse your team with left-handed batters, left-handed pitchers. It just it's about the platoon advantage you get because there's so many righties in the game, so many righty pitchers in the game, um, so many righty hitters in the game. You need to to uh, you need to go to the other side and get that platoon advantage. At the same time. When there's a great lefty at the plate, you got to have that lefty pitcher. So it works both ways. You need lefty pitchers and lefty hitters, like top-notch guys. It's it's the thing that teams always talk about. The Cubs two, three years ago, Fred, talked about it when they got Hayward. When right. they drafted Schwarber, it was to infuse lefties in the lineup. They have not really addressed it in the bullpen. That's why they spent Gleyber Torres on Araldis Chapman. It took care of two needs, a closer and a left-handed you know, reliever at the same time. Um, since then, name your lefties that you can re- count on for more than a, a moment in time. They haven't had any. No, they really haven't. Uh, Jesse Rogers in St. Louis, Cubs wrapping up the series with the Cardinals, looking to salvage the final game of the series. Uh, we hear Javi Baez went to Joe Madden and said, listen, I need I need the day off. I can't go. He is going today, hitting fourth and playing shortstop. How much has this heel thing affected him? Because I looked at his numbers. Last 12 games, 7 for 42, 167. And I haven't even counted the strikeouts, but I know there's a lot of them. Yeah, Joe didn't think it it was too much at the plate, but it's gotta. Anytime you you favor something, anytime you have an injury, and it, I mean, uh, uh, you know, it'd be one thing if it was something he didn't use, right. you know? uh, but it's a bruise on his heel. You, you, you mean you you you're what you do in the batter's box? Obviously, you you need your feet. So I would imagine it's affected him. Um, some people have said to me, you know, uh, well, what does that have to do with him swinging outside the zone? You just never know. A guy's off his off his game doesn't feel right. Um, he starts to do things he doesn't normally do, but sure. we know that Javi. We know Javi will swing outside the zone anyway at times. But if he's favoring something, you know that takes him off his game. So uh, uh, Joe thought he might have to go back to third base for a day or two to, to to get him to stop, you know, moving around so much. But he's back at short. The thing to watch is um, him around the bag at second. Hitting that bag hard is where he could re-injure his heel on a double play turn or whatever the case may be. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on. And maybe I'll get a chance to talk to Javi before the game to say to, to find out the severity of this thing. Yeah. It definitely has lingered. Two weeks ago today was when he was injured. I don't think people realize how hard the bases are. Uh, when you're growing up in Good Little point. League, and you know this, probably up in Northbrook when you guys, it, the, the bases are like really soft. Um, but Major League bases are like rocks. They're really hard. 
They are. That's a great point. They are. And so he re-injured it already, um, hitting the bag hard on a, on a double plays he came across. So, again, little surprises at third, but they must have talked. Obviously, he got treatment yesterday, and and uh, he is okay to play short as far as we can tell right now. Just think about running to first base and making that last effort to hit the bag. I mean, and if you've got a bad heel and a heel issue, if your right foot is the one that's hitting that bag, it's got to be killing you when you get there. Right, and if you hit it awkward, that's even worse. Yep. You know, that happens as well. So it's a, some people have thought, well, they should put him on the IL. You know, sometimes it's not as clear-cut. You always can uh, – hindsight's twenty twenty. You can always look back. Uh, that, like Bryant last year tried to play through the shoulder injury. Right. Um, guys don't like going on the IL unless they have to. Uh, and, you know, Javi, of all people, he's probably not willing to do that very easily either. So we'll see. Um, I imagine one more re-injuring of it, and he would go on the IL, because at, at some point it, it defeats the purpose of trying to play through it. Jesse, one last thing, and we'll let you go. Um, the Cubs with the loss yesterday and the Milwaukee win, uh, the Cubs dropped to second place. Do the Cubs look at these kind of things? Uh, do they feel comfort when they're in first place? Will they feel differently today? They're in second. Will they be in a hurry to get back there? Is it a mental thing? where, Or is it just there's another game we just got to go out and win the game? You know, every every moment in time is different. This particular year, I, I I don't think they're thinking that way because everyone knows how tight this division was going to be. Now, it doesn't doesn't mean it has to play out that way, right? You know, somebody could have gone on some great run and have a ten game lead, but this is playing out the way most people thought, and so it, it, it's not shocking that there's going to be some jockeying here up and down in the standings. Yeah, it'd be great if they had some five-game lead and maintained it for months and months and months. It just didn't seem realistic. Every one of these contenders is flawed, but every one of them has strengths, including the Cubs. Um, yeah, go back two, three years, it looked like the Cubs might be some sort of you know, dynasty, would have a rule on the division. It just didn't turn out that way. Other teams got better. The Cubs kind of stayed the same. Not necessarily gotten worse because they're 95, 96. Sure. They've gotten, they're about the same, but yep. Milwaukee's gotten better. Uh, Pirates have gotten better. Certainly the Reds have gotten better. The Cardinals are always there. So um, I I guess that's my point. If if they were in the, I don't know, AL Central these last few years and all of a sudden this year, right now, they were in second place, I think they'd be a little different feel because that's a division one team could dominate in. And we're seeing the Twins this year and we've seen the Indians in the past because of those other rebuilding teams. So my point is in this particular year, I don't think dropping a second, even third, as long as you're not that far behind, is that big of a deal because everyone kind of knows it's going to be that way all year long. Uh, Jess, enjoy it. Uh, are you bringing a special gift tomorrow to uh, to Wrigley Field for Tommy LaStella, <laughs> or are you just uh, going to make sure you get there early enough to, to say hi? Well, the second thing, for sure. Or are you driving him to the game? I'm driving him to the game. But but he should be giving me a gift for all the publicity I've given him. You're right. You're right. If he makes the all-star team, I I need a cut or whatever it is they get for going. Here's what you get. If if he makes, make a deal with him. If he makes the all-star team, you got to get him. He's got to get you an all-star jersey. I think I should pitch home run derby to him. There you I think go. he should be in home run derby. I, uh, derby I should pitch. There you go. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> Jess, uh, enjoy the last day in St. Louis, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you when you come home tomorrow. Okay. If there's any news in the next 45 minutes, I'll let you know. Sounds great. Jesse right. Rogers is in St. Louis. The Cubs looking to wrap up their series as they are uh, taking on the Cardinals once again. Hamels going against Wainwright. And uh, a couple of things I want to hit to real quick, and I got some time. So if you want to jump in on these things, 312-332-3776. And um, the, Adam Wainwright is, um, and the Cardinals, a um, minus 110 
um, if you're a gambler. There's a lot going on down in Springfield. They've had a they've had a busy busy week. They're in the process of legalizing recreational marijuana, and then the sports betting is what obviously hits us. We've got a show, the Odds Couple, with Carmen DeFalco and Mike North, and they talk about the odds and they talk about handicapping games and sports from six to seven on Friday nights, and then they replay it from eight to nine before us, before me and Murph on Saturdays, and. I just wanted to ask people out there, if you're listening, you're near a phone, you want to jump in, is legalizing sports betting in Illinois, is it going to make you wager on sports if you don't already? If you don't have a guy, if you don't have an account with Bovada or any of these other companies, will legalizing sports betting make you more likely to go make bets? Or is it not going to change the way you live? Do you think that the people that are sports betting are going to go to some of the casinos where they can make sports bets or the racetracks or the OTBs where they can make bets not only on the horse racing soon, but also on a game? There had been originally, there had been talk, and I know there's a lot of things up in the air right now. uh, There had been talk originally that you'd be able to bet no matter if you were at any place that sold lottery tickets. I get my lottery tickets at Speedway, okay? If I go to Speedway or BP Gasoline or somewhere like that, you get your tickets there, and then you can say, uh, give me uh, two Mega Millions tickets. Oh, by the way, there was a Powerball winner yesterday. I haven't looked at my tickets. I'm hoping it was me. Um, there are, um, you know, give me two Powerball tickets, a Mega Millions ticket, and uh, give me the, uh, the uh, you know, the Cubs plus 110. Or something like that. I didn't think that was going to be the the way to go. But would this change your opinion? Would it would you it make you want to make more bets? Now, I only bet on sports. I don't have a guy, I don't have a bookie, never have. But if I was going to a store, or if I was looking and saw something, or if it was on my phone and it was legal here in the state of Illinois, I may make bets because I do sit I do have one of the horse racing apps on my phone. And I'll sit there on a day and say, what's going on? Let's switch on over to the racetrack channel on DirecTV. And, hey, there's a race coming up. I'll bet the race and sit and watch it. Well, as a guy that watches baseball, you know, 162 Cubs and Sox games and then other various games throughout the course of the season and NFL games and everything, this it will probably change me. I do have a, uh, a DraftKings account. You know, I don't bet a lot. But will this change your opinion without if gambling is now legal here in the state of Illinois? You want to jump in 312-332-3776. couple other things that I wanted to get to, and I kind of hinted at it the other day. This would actually be, if we were doing a show or if it was Waddle and Sylvie, it would probably be... Is my sound not up? No, now it is up. What's up, Fred's can? And, and I led into it a little bit. Um, people that listen to this show, and there's a reason. I'm doing two hours and not talking about the NBA playoffs, except for this. You know, because Black and Abdallah, they broke it down better than I would ever be able to earlier today. They had Nick Friedel on. You can always podcast the show before the game tonight, which will be heard right here on ESPN 1000. But the ratings came out for the first day. Ratings are down for the first game of the NBA Finals. Okay, now, it's difficult because they don't get the ratings figured in from Toronto because it's another country. 
So that makes it a little more difficult when you're looking at ratings. I'm not a fan of ratings of any kind, so but that's a whole other story for another topic and something I can't talk about here. Um, you look at it, and I don't understand why the NBA needs so many days off. The NBA Finals. During the course of the year, they'll play four games a week. Here in the NBA Finals, they played Thursday. They had Friday off. They had Saturday off. They're in the same city. Now they're playing tonight. So they had two days off, and they play Sunday. Then after Sunday, they're going to have Monday off. They're going to have Tuesday off, and then the scene shifts to Golden State. Then after Tuesday, they're only going to have one day off and play on Friday for Game 4. I don't quite understand it. If you want to have one day off, you know, you get excited. People are like me. I'm not a huge NBA fan, but I watched the game the other day because I worked on Friday uh, for Cap along with uh, Chris Black. I had to sit and watch the entire game. I would have been in and out of the game, but I watched it, took notes on the game throughout the whole contest. And I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, okay, I got excited on it. Siakam at 32 points. Uh, 23 for Kawhi, you know, didn't have a great game. What's going to happen now with Iguodala is, you know, a lot of things. And now you got two days. It's kind of like in this, in, you know, today's social media world, it would have been nice. So play Thursday, Friday off, play Saturday. And now you've seen shifts. So take Sunday and Monday off, play Tuesday, Wednesday off, play Thursday, Friday off, play Saturday. Now you want to take two more days off to come back. But they're not doing that. There's so many. There's two days off between every game except games three and four. The NBA is very popular right now, despite what some of the ratings are going to show you. They are a very, very popular league. I don't understand why they have to do something like that. That would be something that is um, up my can. The other thing. What's up, Fred's can? The other thing that bothers me a lot. Two and a half years ago, there was a, I have it right here. Two and a half years ago, there was a situation where a woman in Milwaukee at Miller Park sued the Milwaukee Brewers after being hit by a baseball in batting practice. And we talk all about it. That It was like in, uh, it was in 2016. So like I said, two and a half years ago. And after that year, they extended, talked about extending the netting, and then they extended the netting past the dugouts. At that time, Major League Baseball players and others had said, why don't you do like Japan does, extend the netting all the way down to the foul pole? Are you going to wait for something bad to happen? What happened this week? Something bad happened. Albert Almora hits a line shot past the netting, past the dugout, and hits a young girl. Albert Almora's reaction took, you know, everybody, not by surprise, but um, everybody was saddened by how it was. Hopefully, we still haven't heard a whole heck of a lot. Hopefully, the girl will be fine. Albert Almora was torn up. Players have wanted this netting extended for years because they've seen situations. They feel bad. They're asking people to come out to the ballpark, and this happens. And two years ago, when I heard the Cubs skipper Joe Madden say, well, you just need to pay more attention. Okay. The dumbest thing Joe said ever. And I said that at the time, and I'll repeat it again. The netting should be all the way down to the foul lines. It's going to be difficult. You watched St. Louis last night? Down their, le- their left field and right field lines, 
as you pass the dugouts, you go a little further, the seating cuts in where some of these fans are facing the ball or facing home plate, and they're probably only 200 feet from home plate. You think the ball gets into the stands quick. It gets down there real quick, too. And it's surprising to me that it hasn't happened before. And paying attention to every single pitch is not going to be enough. It will never be enough. The numbers we heard earlier in the week from Golick and Wingo, and I know Waddle and Sylvie talked about it, 1,700 people a year seek medical attention from being hit by foul balls. Now, granted, there are people on their phones constantly not watching the game. But you could pay attention to every single pitch and still have that kind of problem because of the way the game is played, because of how hard the balls are being hit. And it's a situation where I can't believe that people are saying we don't want to see the netting. I've gone to two White Sox games this year. Both games I sat four rows behind uh, the visitors' dugout on the first base side, which is behind the netting. And after the second inning, you don't even realize it. We had a caller yesterday who said there are certain times in the game where the sun hits the netting and it gives off a glare. Let's be honest. The earth moves. How long is that going to be there? Is it going to be there for three innings? No. It's going to be there for maybe a batter or two. It's surprising to me the number of people who don't want that. And I was worried because we saw the the numbers earlier this week. MLB attendance down another 1.4%. It has dropped four straight years. And I'm saying to myself, well, maybe if they put the netting down, that's even going to be fewer people that want to come to games. Because of the netting, they're going to say, I don't want to be blocked by the netting. I want to go to the game and have a player flip me a ball. Or I want to go to the game and have a player autograph something for me. There may be a lot of other people who say, you know what? Now that the netting goes all the way down to the foul line, I'll go to the game and sit in good seats. Because I don't have to worry about getting hit by a foul ball. Because if the ball's popped up in the air, everybody jumps up. The odds are I'm not going to get hurt because everybody knows the ball's coming. But. I think that maybe you'll get more people going to games, sitting in the better seats, and that would be good for Major League Baseball. I'm not sure, but I also think it's going to be next year before they'll be able to institute this and put these this netting all the way down to the left field and the right field foul lines. 312-332-3776. We come back after the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk a lot about... Um, Major League Baseball highlights, stuff that's happened around Major League Baseball yesterday. Also, we get into some Chicago Fire stuff before we're out of here. Uh, not only what happened this week with the fire, but what's happening soon. Good news for Georgie Mihaljevic, uh, the local product for the Chicago Fire. Good news for him. Alexander Katai gets called up to the Serbian national team. There's some stuff coming up in uh, Chicago for soccer, so we'll talk about that when we come back. Fred Hubner with you here on ESPN 1000. Welcome back in. Fred Hubner with you till the top of the hour. We got some MLB highlights. We got some Chicago Fire talk. But a couple people want to jump on and talk about the netting and ballparks. We got a Lake Forest and Paul. You're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Paul. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Good show. What's up? I, I just did the math on the 1,700 people who sought medical attention last year. I divided it by 90 million. That's uh, how many people at games last year. Uh-huh. And I got point zero 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 one. Yeah. Now, since baseball doesn't involve common sense and rational thinking anymore, it's all math. What would your sabermetric guys say about 
uh, should you put up netting or not put up netting when point zero 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 one percent of the people are affected? They'd say there's not much. You, you know, you shouldn't do it. There's no reason to. It's not the uh, the odds are it won't Pay happen. Pay attention to the game. When you bring your kid to a game, don't put him in a position where he can get hit. When I bring my kids to the beach, I don't make them put up a lifeguard every seven feet so the kid doesn't drown. It's my responsibility to take care of my kid and not put him in a dangerous situation. This is the dumbest stuff I've ever heard. It doesn't only happen to kids, Paul. I appreciate the call. It happens to adults. The only reason it's being talked about right now, and you're right about this, the only reason it's being talked about is because it was a girl, a little girl. If it was a 40-year-old man or if it was a 60-year-old woman, they would not be talking about it like they're talking about it now. The whole thing about ha- about it happening to a kid is what happens. Um there have been other people. There have been adults taken away from the uh, the ballpark. Um, I, you cannot expect every single person to one pay attention and two be able to stop a ball that's flying at them at one hundred and six miles an hour. Let's go to Old Town and George. You're on ESPN one thousand. Hey, George. Hey, Freddie. Love the show. Love your love your uh, MCing, my friend. Cool. What's up? I've been just I've been to the Cubs game, third base line by the where they used to warm up the pitchers when they. And a screaming ball comes down the right field line. You can't even see because there's people in front of you. Right. I was coming back with refreshments. I turned my head and went right by my people. And I was attentively watching the game because people ducked. Sure. But, and then I was at a White Sox game and on the first baseline, about even with first base, and an old lady got hit about 75 years old. She, they took her to the hospital. I don't know what happened to her. But a perfect compromise would be if there are people in these areas, why can't some helmet company, you should have helmet gear, just like riding a bike. At least that. They can get it sponsored. It could be great. It could be a great souvenir. they got to do something. Well, they do have to do something. The helmets is an interesting idea. I know that uh, there's been a, there's been like a uh, a new thing where the some of the bleacher guys are starting to wear helmets like the original bleacher bums used to do wearing the hard hats back in the day. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how that would fly. I just think the netting would be easier. Uh, I do have to tell you, the two games I went to when I sat behind the dugout, I paid attention, but I wasn't worried about paying attention to every single pitch as much as I would have been if there was no netting there. Because I've sat behind the dugout where there was no netting, and I've seen the ball come flying into the stands. And it moves really quickly. One last call on this before we get to some baseball highlights. We got a Westchester and Nick. Nick, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up? Hey, Fred. First of all, on, uh, on behalf of the Franklin Park Firefighters, thanks for all your service that you've uh, that you've done helping us out with the uh, uh, kids' cancer every year. So no, I really Nick, appreciate my, that. Nick, my pleasure. Sorry I couldn't make it there this year, but we'll, hopefully we'll do it again. We completely understand. Hey, I just wanted to mention, I've gone in season tickets with a guy um, for the last couple of years, and once they put in that net... The value, in my opinion, uh, just completely dropped. There was such a disconnect between now the players and the fans that when, when I bring my kids to the game, I make sure that I, I specifically put them in seats where it's going to be safe. But right. I, if I'm going to go and I'm going to spend the money and invest uh, in that game, I'm, I want I want that interaction. You know, we used to get they throw balls to my nephew. Um, you know, a, glo- a mitt would co- or not a mitt, but a. Uh, uh, a, a batting glove would come off at the right. end of the game, and now you don't even see the players making eye contact with the fan, like, hey, who's going to get the next ball next time I come back, or who am I going to this? There's literally zero interaction, no eye contact. Daryl Boston would always be talking to fans. It's almost like they put up a, 
a permanent wall, not just a net. And it, to me, it took away from, from the benefit of sitting in those types of seats. And, and to me, the value is no longer there. Nick, um, I understand your point, Nick. I appreciate the call. Um, it's still, it's just a net. It really isn't the wall or anything. I understand what you're saying. Uh, the whole thing about the ball, you can still catch a ball. I mean, some players I still have seen flip the ball over the net, up and over the net as they go to, um, you know, back to the dugout afterwards. The players are one of, are some of the people you never want to see a player have to go through what Albert Almora went through the other day. And again, I've seen other players really torn up about after, after they hit a ball into the stands. Um, it's it's they're playing a the game. They're playing as hard as they can. And when a guy like Almora hits a shot into the stands, the last thing he should have to worry about is what's going to happen into the stands. Um, he saw it immediately as it happened, and it was gut wrenching what happened to him. Nick, appreciate the call. Some good points. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that disagree. If you've had seats down there, you like interacting with a player, you like getting a ball. And I understand, Nick, uh, one of my biggest pet peeves is if you have good seats at the end of every half inning, all these people run down to those the front rows when they didn't have a netting just to get a ball. There's nothing more frustrating than being in those good seats and having everybody run up to the front trying to get a ball flipped to them. You want a ball? Catch a foul ball. And you can still catch a foul ball. They're not putting a netting over it, just protecting you by putting it in front of you. Um, baseball, lots of stuff going on in baseball. Lots of great highlights, more than just Sox and Cubs. As a matter of fact, there was a big one for the Dodgers. Dodgers were playing the Phillies. Uh, Bryce Harper had already homered, and they were getting late in the game, bottom of the ninth, and the Dodgers sent Will Smith to the plate. What, men in black, Will Smith? No, it wasn't him. 3-2 is hit in the air down the left field side and deep. It is back. It is gone. A walk-off winner. The first career walk-off home run for Will Smith. And the Dodgers win it 4-3. Dodgers win. Highlights courtesy Dodger TV. They win the game 4-3. Knock off the Phillies. How about the Yankees? Usually... They've only played four times this year. You've probably seen each and every one of them. They've all been on network TV, I'm sure. Yesterday was on Fox, and the Yankees took care of the Red Sox again. On a 2-2 pitch. Sends this one the other way. Bradley and Betts back. That ball is gone. Opposite field home run for Gary Sanchez to put the Yankees back in front. Boy, oh boy, when you talk home run or nothing, you got a guy like Gary Sanchez. Uh, he's not a tremendous defensive catcher. I know he's working at it, but he is definitely your home run or nothing guy. Highlights courtesy of Fox. 5-3, the Yankees beat the Red Sox. Boston is now 0-4 against the Yankees so far this season. You look at the standings, Yankees have a two-and-a-half game lead over Tampa. The Red Sox are 500. They're 29-29, and nine-and-a-half games back. I don't know how pitchers get better as they get older, but Justin Verlander is a prime example of that, as he did it last night. Um, a 5-1 win for the Astros over Oakland, and Verlander was dealing. Swing and a miss. Verlander strikes out Lariano. Swing and a miss. That's strikeout number two for Dave. Cold third strike, 97 on the corner. Swing and a miss. There it is. Justin Verlander now matches. Young in the total strikeout column. Called third strike. Verlander moves into 21st on the all-time strikeout list. Move over Cy Young is JV now with 2,807 career strikeouts. 
Ah, Verlander with eight strikeouts in eight innings. He is now 21st on the all-time strikeout list. He passes Cy Young. Uh, he has 2,807 strikeouts. If you're in fantasy baseball, you probably know this guy. If you're not, if I said, who is Austin Riley, you would might have no idea. Does Is he the last guy on the bench for the Raptors? Uh, is he a winger for the Bruins? No, he is a player for the Atlanta Braves. Fly ball, wallop toward the bullpen. That's a no-doubter. I think the next time we do that rookie of the year thing, we, we need to get him on the list. I was going to say, he might not be too far behind. <laughs> no. It's just a two-seamer. He's trying to kind of go away and just left it middle-middle. Shot out like a cannon right there. The highlights courtesy of Braves TV. Uh, you heard Chip Carey on the call. Atlanta, 10-5 win over Detroit. Austin Riley, his eighth home run in 16 games since being called up from the minors. I'm sorry, Cub fans. I don't want to play this, but it was one of the big highlights from yesterday. The Brewers were playing the Pirates, a, a battle of NL Central teams, and Orlando Arcia stepped up big time for the Brewers early and then late. Really? Swing it about well. Speaking of, here's Arcia. Launches one deep to left center, and there she goes. A booming home run by the diminutive shortstop. Orlando Arcia has now hit seven on the year. The Brewers put two more on the board to start this second inning, and it's 4 nothing. And he swings and drives one into deep left center field. This is back, and she is gone. Orlando Arcia, a two-run home run. His second home run of the game, number eight on the season, and he has given the Brewers the lead in the 13th inning. Yeah, they go on to win 12-10 to 10 over Pittsburgh. Uh, Brian Anderson on the call, Milwaukee TV, and uh, Milwaukee takes over first place half game better than the Cubs. The next guy, he will be at Wrigley Field. I'm pretty sure earlier this year when the Angels were at Wrigley, he missed the games, didn't he? Mike Trout was hurt, I think, when he came to uh, Wrigley Field. But Mike Trout is not hurt now. He's just putting a hurting on the baseball. Oh, crushed. Oh. Totally crushed to the second deck. Nearly halfway up his 14th back-to-back games for Trout. Yeah, Mike Trout with a home run. I wanted to play that for a couple reasons. One, he's coming to Wrigley Field. Two, he's the best player in baseball, and we never see him because he's on the West Coast. Angels beat the Mariners final of 6-3. to three. That was on Fox. Let's grab one more call before we take a break on the netting. Bronzeville, Kevin, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Kev. Hey, Freddie, I love the show, man. I've got to say, we already have the answer to this netting thing. It's what the players think, and all the players say the same thing. Put up the net. And I listened to that guy call in, the 1700 divided by a $90 <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The fact remains is, if anybody related to those 1700 people that got hurt, if you ask them, one is enough. Like, one is enough. And the guy who called in talking about how the net lowers the value of his season tickets, the fact remains is, like, no, like it's it's been done before. This is not something new. It's been done around the world and it works and it's still popular. Like 
too many of these arguments against netting are rooted in tradition. And I think that's baseball's problem, why they're still having problems with popularity today. They hold on to these stupid traditions that can just be changed. You know, Kevin, I'm 62, so I'm a guy that likes tradition, but this is a tradition that's just silly because you, you don't want people that you're begging to come out to the game going home in an ambulance. And, you know, and I know that I'm, I'm going to the extreme, but, you know, you want to protect them. Every, every, business has to protect their fans has to protect their patrons and that's just a, you know yeah. the netting makes sense it, it just it just makes so much sense and like just to hold on to something like this when you can literally just like for as many people that will say they'll stop going i bet many more people will say oh, okay yeah i'll go to some games now but i don't have to worry about where i sit yeah i think you're right kevin i appreciate the call and it's not that people are always on their phones uh, that you know even if you're at the game and you're not on your phone, the odds are you're at the game with someone. And if you're sitting there and you turn your head to talk to someone, the ball could be hit your way. You could be paying attention all the time, and it just not work. We come back. We're going to wrap things up, talk a little Chicago Fire soccer. Lots went on this week. We'll talk about it. We come back. Fred Hubner with you here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. A couple of final minutes, and uh, what I like to do at the end of a show on Sunday is talk a little Chicago Fire soccer because the Chicago Fire um, in action yesterday and earlier in the week, too. Early, I mentioned it on Twitter, people that follow me, Fred underscore Hubner. And a guy got back to me, he goes, man, you really wear your heart on your sleeve. The two teams that I pull the most for, and I'm not talking about the Bears or the 49ers, who I'm a fan of, and but the White Sox and the Chicago Fire. I know. People say, really? Those are the two teams you pull the most for? Um, it's so frustrating. You watch base running mistakes. You watch Tim Anderson throw a ball away after he does a lot of good things. You watch Yohan Mokata not run out of pop-up. It's like, come on. Really? It's just so frustrating. Watching the Chicago Fire, I realized, and I commented on it last week, one of the most frustrating things in all of sports viewership is pulling for your soccer team who just can't put the ball in the net. They just, it's like, come on. You have every opportunity. It's a huge net. My buddy Pete said once, he goes, how do they not score? The net, the goal is the size of a city bus. Yeah, it is pretty big. The Chicago Fire earlier this week scored two goals. They had a 2 nothing lead against Wayne Rooney and uh, D.C. United. And uh, they allowed D.C. to come back and tie it at 2. And then D.C. went up 3-2. to two, And the Fire were fortunate and got a uh, uh, nice play by Bastian Schweinsteiger late in the game. Kicked the ball into the box. Francisco Calvo, a header. And uh, they tied it at 3 late in the game. Where video review after the game showed that Uh, Maybe that goal shouldn't account, but it did. So they got the one point on the road. It's always good to get a road point. Uh, Yesterday, the Chicago Fire go to Atlanta. Atlanta, right now, going into the game yesterday, had seven wins, five losses, two draws. They were the defending champions. They won the MLS Cup last year. The Chicago Fire battling to get above the line, the playoff line. Seven of the 12 teams in the Eastern Conference go to the playoffs. So more than half, seven of 12. And the Fire were number seven 
until this past week. So the Chicago Fire had one opportunity and two opportunities yesterday. And then they had even another opportunity. Highlights courtesy of Unimas in their English broadcast. The service, Chicago, hitting it away. Finally, a follow-up from Katai. A curling effort goes past Brad Guzan. Oh, Brad Guzan from Homer Glen. He's in the net for Atlanta United FC and the Chicago Fire were all over it. They were taking the attack to Atlanta down in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Same place the Falcons play. Uh, they pack them in down there for soccer, MLS soccer, and uh, Atlanta, the game was still scoreless. The Fire with another opportunity. And all of a sudden what happens? Uh, a breakout. Uh, Atlanta United uh, gets the ball, comes up field, and uh uh-oh. They got a best-case scenario type of situation as Franco Escobar goes forward on the counterattack. Piti Martinez, heel flick by Escobar. Piti Martinez inside to Josef. This could be, and it will be! Goal! For Atlanta United and for Josef Martinez, that's going to be sweeter than a cachapa. He squandered it, and it was taken advantage on the other end of the field. Oh, yes, yes, uh, we know. The Fire had a one-on-one opportunity, and they were not able to capitalize, and uh, the Atlanta United did, and they have a one nothing lead. And the Fire didn't stop. The Fire had uh, more chances to score and get on the board and equal the game. Ball to CJ Sapong, good opportunity. Brad Guzan, huge. The wall. Mihailovic is close. Here comes Nico, the service back post! I I don't know. I gotta ask the soccer gods, how? Well, we're gonna look at it again, and I think that he's in an uncomfortable position. Yeah, he was uncomfortable. Francisco Calvo gets a ball on a a free kick. Uh, Nico Gaetan sends the ball into the box, and Calvo gets his head to it and pushes it wide. It was a perfect opportunity to tie the game at one. They couldn't do it. And, you know, the broadcaster mentions from Unimas, he says, I got to ask the soccer gods. I was asking the soccer gods, too. The soccer gods, my god, all gods, how did they not put a ball in the net? And, of course, after unable to put the ball in the net, it was Martinez again. And the Pereira will have a second chance ball over the top looking for Joseph on the turn. Joseph, and here he comes. Joseph Martinez looking to make it two. courtesy of Unimas, and yes, he has 10. Uh, the Chicago Fire losing to Atlanta United FC yesterday, a final of 2 to nothing. Fire still looking for their first road win of 2019. That's going to be a while before they get that. A long break now uh, in MLS play because there's a tournament called the Gold Cup coming up. There is also um, U.S. Open Soccer coming up. The U.S. Open Cup, the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup is one of the longest soccer tournaments. It starts um, in the first and second rounds and third rounds. You have club teams. You have amateur teams who play against lower division teams. And then when the fourth round gets here, Major League Soccer gets involved. So the next game for the Chicago Fire comes up Tuesday, June 11th, as they travel down to St. Louis FC for U.S. Open Cup action. Game you can see on ESPN Plus at 7.30 on Tuesday, June 11th. But there were some good things happening for the Chicago Fire. Uh, Georgie Mihaljevic named to the U.S. men's national team.
team roster as the men under Craig Berhalter are getting ready for a June 5th friendly against Jamaica in uh, the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Alexander Katai for the Chicago Fire called up to the uh, Serbian national team. They have European uh, 2020 qualifiers going on. Katai uh, just needs to find the net a few more times. He's getting opportunities, has to put the ball in the net. A tournament with Major League Soccer and League MX, the uh, professional league in Mexico, where there are four teams um, from League MX and four teams from Major League Soccer, the Chicago Fire involved. They will play Cruz Azul at um, SeatGeek Stadium July 23rd. And the next home game for the Chicago Fire in Major League Soccer coming up June 22nd. So quite a break, but the Fire still busy. U.S. Open Cup action coming up. Uh, very, very soon on June 11th. Uh, so lots of action for you soccer fans out there. Congratulations to Liverpool. They beat Tottenham to win the uh, UEFA Champions League. 2 nothing final yesterday. Not a great game, but uh, a game that was seen by many, many millions of people. Uh, the Cubs looking to salvage the final game in St. Louis. The White Sox looking to get back on a winning streak. Uh, Lucas Giolito going must-see TV when Giolito takes the hill and uh, waiting for him to be named Pitcher of the Month of May. Thanks to Felix Reyes for all of his help. Thanks to Jesse for jumping on in. Thanks to you for listening. Have a great Sunday afternoon. Thanks for listening right here on ESPN 1000.